Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 341. Today, we're going to go through the material that deals with Abraham and the covenant, the call to the covenant in chapter 12, the actual cutting of the covenant, and then the sign or the token of the covenant in chapter 17. So you have the call to the covenant, that is the call of Abram to come out of the Mesopotamia Valley into the land of Canaan. And God would give that to him as an everlasting possession. Then in chapter 15, you have the cutting of the covenant. That is the ritual of the blood ditch. That's all in chapter 15. And if we're looking at it from a New Testament perspective, from a new covenant perspective, Abraham would have been converted in chapter 15. In other words, he would have been saved. Because this is where the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 4 states that Abraham was justified by faith, not by works, but by faith. Then in chapter 17, you have the sign or the token given the ritual that's associated with the covenant. And so we're going to go over those today just so you will have a direction of where we are. Everything that we are doing, we are doing in these podcasts in association with what I call the patriarchal period, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And that's the period from 2100 B.C. down to 15. 1500 BC when Moses comes on the scene in the book of Exodus. So remember, we are counting off 10 timelines that make up what we call the Old Testament, the Tanakh, as the Jews would say. And so in chapters 1 through 11 of Genesis, you have the primeval period. That's the story of creation. That's the story of the creation of man, the fall of man, the flood, the Tower of Babel, the separation of the nations. Everything that happened in Genesis 1 through 11 happened before 2100 BC. That is the time that Abraham came on the scene. I give his birth at 2166 specifically. And again, there is a reason for that from the standpoint of biblical chronology, which that's not our purpose in this podcast. But in 2100 BC, you have Abraham coming on the scene, and that begins what I call the patriarchal period. And this is period number two. And this last from 2100 B.C. to 1500 B.C., and the third period is begun, which is the period of the Echodos, the Exodus, the way out of Egypt. Now, when you go back to chapter 12, you have the call of Abraham, the son of Terah, from Ur of the Chaldees, that is of the area called Chaldea, that is the land between the rivers, Mesopotamia. Meso means middle. Potamia is the word for river. It's like uh, hippopotamus. Hippo is the word for horse. And then potamus is the word for river, of course. Uh, Potamia, that's where that comes from in Meso. So you have the river horse. That's what a hippopotamus is, is a river horse. A hippodrome is a horse racing track. It's a chariot racing track. So you get the idea. So in chapter 12, you have Abraham. 
Abraham being called into the land of Canaan. There were Canaanites, Amorites, all of these various ites, peoples uh, that were there. So God called him there, and you'll recall the story how that he told him he was going to end this place, make him a great nation, a great nation was going to come from his loins. He was going to give him the land that he was standing on, and he affirms that in the covenant in chapter 15. He is going to make him a blessing to all the earth and all the nations. And of course, that's the promise of the Messiah that would come, not only what Israel would do for all of the earth as we see them doing today, but most of all, give us the Word of God, what we call the Bible, the revelation of God. That was brought through the Jewish people. The Messiah was brought through the Jewish people. God chose them for a specific purpose, and he's not finished with that yet. And so chapter 12 is the call of Abraham and the introduction of the covenant. Now, when we come to chapter 15, and that's after Lot is not going to work out, Abram is not able to go to Lot because he thought that was going to be the go-to heir that was going to fulfill the promise that God had made. But now... Of course, he sees that's not the case. He's gone. He's rescued Lot. He has, in chapter 14, encountered Melchizedek, which I talked about in the last podcast, into the land of Moriah. That's where he was introduced to it, so that in chapter 22, when we have the recording of the binding of Isaac, when God said, take your son, your only son, your solitary son, which I made all the promises concerning, you're going to take him to the land of Moriah. Abram already knew where that was. So we come to chapter 15, and he's just had this experience, this great victory. He's brought back all of the captives that were taken away by Kedar de Oma and all of his confederation of kings. He has restored everything back as it was, and now he is in Hebron, in Mamre as it's called, and he's there with the Amorites. So God takes him out on the ridge, and he says to him, I am going to do something for you. Now remember, Abraham is now now he is uh, he's still called Abram at this point. He's not, his name is not changed until 17. And so he is talking with God and he said, Lord, you said you were going to give me a son now, but Eliezer, my servant, who's uh, from Damascus, he's an uh, Aramean, he is going to be, looks like, my heir. And God said, oh no, he's not going to do that. So verse 4 says of chapter 15, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body. Remember, he's 99. Sarah is 90. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars. If you're able to number them, he said, so shall be your descendants. And verse six says, and he believed in the Lord. He trusted Hashem. He trusted God. And he, that is God, put it on his account, accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, this is, again, the passage where in the book of Romans, chapter 4, that the apostle Paul said this was when Abraham was justified before God, when he trusted God. Everything else was a work up to this point. It was getting Abraham to the point to where the covenant could be made. Then he said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And so in verse 9, he begins the cutting of the covenant and the blood ditch ritual. And for those of you who have been listening to podcasts, you know I've gone over this before. But what happened here was Abram went and got various animals that God told him to get. He cut them down the middle, cut them in half. In between them was a ditch. The blood ran down into this ditch. 
Abraham was driving away all the vultures that had come when these animals were killed. Verse 12 says, A great darkness fell upon him. Abraham fell into a sleep. He was absolutely worn out from all that he was doing, butchering those animals and so forth, which was hard work. The Bible says that he saw this vision of the presence of God as a flaming fire going through, walking through the middle of this blood ditch. Now, it's interesting that a blood ditch ritual was a covenant between two people. And what the blood ditch ritual was all about is those who walked through, they would promise to each other that by their own very life, if they had to, they'd give their life to keep the covenant. Well, the interesting thing is that only God walked through this, not Abram. And so God said, I'm going to keep not only my end of the bargain, but I'm going to keep yours because you cannot do it. And Abraham trusted God and that God would do what he said. What God was saying is basically that the Messiah would die to make sure, who is God incarnate, would make sure that the covenant was kept, that indeed righteousness would be accounted to his seed, that he would keep every promise that he ever made, and that's what he did when Jesus died on the cross. And so the scripture says in verse 13, then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants, this is after the blood ditch, will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. He's talking about Egypt and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And that's the time period that they were in Egypt, as you know, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. Remember, the Israelites were slaves, and now God was going to bring them out with great riches. And you say, well, how is God going to do that with slaves? Well, as you'll recall, they were paying the Israelites to get out, and they went, and the people gave them everything they needed. So they came out with great wealth, with great amounts of silver and gold and jewels and flocks and herds and everything. So they came out not as a slave nation. They came out as a wealthy nation and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. And we saw that with the great plagues. Verse 15, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, how many years was it? It was 100 years. How much is a generation in that time period? a hundred years because it's 400 years fourth generation they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete now think about the Amorites were a very wicked ungodly people they were idol worshipers they did everything despicable and ungodly debauched as you can ever imagine as a people and so God said that he was going to let them still have mercy and he literally for 400 more years God had mercy on the Amorites. Again, this is what gives me great hope for any people, for America or anyone else, is our God, yes, He is a God of judgment, a God of righteousness, justice, but He is a God of great long-suffering and mercy. And God has been merciful to us, and God has been good to us. But He allowed the Amorites, we know at least 400 years, and it was hundreds of years before that that the Amorites came on the scene. And so God cut a covenant with Abraham, the verse 18 says, on the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates. Now what that tells us is that the land of Israel in present day is not going to be the final possession of the Jewish people. No, they will have all the way from the river of Egypt 
all the way to the Euphrates. That includes all of Syria. That includes all of Lebanon. That includes all of Israel. That includes Jordan. All of that eastern ridge they will have in the land there that they had in the Bible. And it will extend all the way north to the Euphrates, which includes Damascus and all. All of that will be part of their inheritance. It is part of their inheritance. And uh, one day they will possess it. Now in chapter 17, very quickly... In chapter 17 is the sign of the covenant where God said, here is how you will seal this, and I will seal this with you. When Abram was 99 years old, verse 17, chapter 17 and verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Almighty God. El Shaddai was his name. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face. This is what always happens when God shows up. It's not high five, good buddy Jesus. Uh, person's on their face. Daniel, Abram, John on the island of Patmos. Everyone's fallen on their face before God. Why do we think? Why do we think? Now, people say, well, that, that was the old covenant. John was not in the old covenant. And when he saw Jesus glorified, he fell on his face as though he were dead. Read Revelation chapter 1. So we've lost our fear of God. We've lost our reverence of God. Again, that's for another podcast. But the scripture says he fell on his face and God talked with him. And as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Here's where his name was changed, which means exalted father, high father. But your name shall be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. Abraham is the word for a multitude of nations. And he said, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you, their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And I will also give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you're a stranger, all the land of Canaan, an everlasting possession. Not until they mess up, not until they make bad decisions, not until they sin over and over again. But he said, as long as there's sun and moon, as long as the earth stands, as long as my promises and I'm faithful to my promises, I will keep this. You're an everlasting possession and this land is yours. You might not be enjoying it all down through the centuries because of your disobedience, but it belongs to you. I'm giving it to you. And verse 10, he says, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. You shall circumcise in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male in your generations. He who is born in your house or bought with money from any stranger who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. Now, this is an amazing thing because this is exactly what happened even now. Abraham lived. Remember, this was 2,000 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Well, 2,000 years later, on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised, and they named him at that point Yeshua. They named him Jesus as the angel told Joseph he was to do. Now, remember, in the Jewish life, a child is not named until it's circumcised. I know many, many Jewish families, and they do not name their child. Many times here in America, we have the, um, I want to say coming out party, but 
that's not it. They name the gender. You know, it's, it's become a big thing on all social media and so forth to burst the balloons or pop the cork, whatever it is when you blue or pink comes out and the baby's name is given and so forth. Uh, Jewish people don't do that, not certainly not those who follow Jewish tradition. The child is not named until the eighth day. And the male is circumcised and they name the child. Why? Because that name is permanent. And if you name a child, as soon as you find out that you're pregnant or you find out whatever it is, there's a lot of things can happen from the time that's known until the baby is born. And once that name is given to a child, it won't be given to another child. And so the name is saved until the eighth day. Why? Because that's when the baby, they know the blood is coagulated and it's going to have the proper clotting that it needs. The child has uh, gotten over the first week of life. It's the odds are the child's going to live. Uh, certainly long enough to be circumcised and named, so that's when they named the child. And so this is the sign of the covenant. It was then, it is now. And we'll talk more about circumcision, baptism, the likeness between the two, what it means to be in the family of God, a little bit about Reformed theology to help you to understand why Presbyterians do what they do with the baptism of infants, infant baptism, paleo-baptism, and how that relates to the Old Testament and what we call supersessionism or replacement theology. Well, that's all I have for today. God bless you and keep you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.